Thank you for tuning in again to the Radio Bible Course. We're continuing our study of 1 Thessalonians. And beginning with verse 10 of chapter 2, we read, You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our behavior to you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you, and encouraged you and charged you to lead a life worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Paul has been making a defense here in chapter 2 of his ministry. He and his companions had come to Thessalonica. Their behavior was commendable. They could be blamed for nothing. They lived the right kind of a life. And he said, you know, we were not a burden to any of you. We came not to win your favor, but to win God's favor. We came here not to get something from you, but to give you something. And now in verse 10, he said, You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our behavior to you believers. The word holy means separated to God. And that's the same as saying that holy means different, because God is different from everyone. And if we are separated to God, we are different from the world. Paul and his companions demonstrated holiness. There must have been little interest in the world, its affairs, or its pleasures. They were there on God's business. He said they also lived righteously. What does that mean? Well, it means one is in conformity to God's holy standard. Now, righteously here does not indicate being in accord with the law of Moses. Paul did not try to preach the law of Moses to anyone. He was not trying to be a rigid Jew when he went preaching the gospel to Gentiles. When he was among Jews, he acted like a Jew. And he writes about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 20. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, and that refers to the Thessalonians because they were Gentiles, he said, I became as one outside the law, not being without law toward God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. In other words, he was not a lawless person, even though he did not live by the laws of Moses in front of these people. God has a standard. It's a righteous and holy standard. And it's based, for Paul the Apostle, on the law of love, because Jesus gave the church that one new law. Jesus never gave the law of Moses to the church. Instead, he fulfilled it and ended it. As Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Believes what? 
Whoever believes in Christ as the one who fulfilled the law and saves us from our sins. Just because Paul did not live by the law of Moses does not mean that he abused grace. He lived by grace. But there were none in that society, not even Jews, could attack the personal behavior of Paul and his companions because they lived righteously. And next, he calls attention to their blameless behavior. They were not vulnerable to attack because of their manner of life. That was their behavior, their manner of life. There was nothing that anyone could say and accuse them of that would have been a disgrace. One of the qualifications of an elder is that he be blameless. That doesn't mean he's perfect. It means there is no single disgraceful thing that you can point out in his life which might be the subject of a charge. Paul was a man who lived by the grace of God and who seemed preoccupied with this fact. Wherever I go, no one is going to be able to find fault with the way I live or the way I speak. In Acts chapter 25, verse 8, when he was on trial before Festus, Paul said, quote, Neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar, have I offended at all. His was a positive ministry. He wasn't out to insult. He wasn't pointing out how wrong people were. He was talking about how right Christ was and how the word of God was fulfilled through Jesus Christ. Now, there are many so-called Christians today, as well as some religious leaders, who think they should defy the law because they don't agree with it. And they even defy the courts to protest for some social cause in order to get their own way. Well, Paul was not like that. And these men are a disgrace to the ministry which Paul established. He was too busy with the message of salvation to be occupied with social issues. Friends, we can't change the world. Christ didn't put us here to change the world. Watch out for people whose ministry is trying to get you to change the world. That's going to take you away from the real ministry, which is proclaiming Christ when people believe in him, their lives will be changed. Instead of trying to change the world, I'm trying to preach the gospel so that God can change man. And if we get enough people to believe the gospel, then the world will become better to that degree. But to change the world is not the objective of the Christian because... God has saved us from this world, and Christ is going to return to take us out of this world. Paul didn't change the world. The world got worse and worse. Men grew in their evil. Persecutions increased. Abuses abounded. Slavery continued. But over the centuries, more and more people became Christians. And then the world began to notice, because there were people who had believed in Christ and were willing to lay down their lives for the gospel. 
because Christ had risen, and they knew that even though they were killed, by standing up for the faith, they too would rise someday. Now, that has an impact on the world. But marching down the street with a placard is not going to change the world. Now, I notice at the end of verse 10, Paul says, You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our behavior to you, believers. He didn't call them Christians. That was not a word that was in common use. He called them for what they had done. They had done only one thing. They believed the gospel. What does it mean to believe the gospel? Well, there is a kind of historic belief. There is sympathetic belief. There is national belief. But this word means that they trusted God's word they depended upon it. It was exclusive faith that abandons all other remedies for salvation. And when Paul came with that good news, they grabbed it. They depended upon it and said, We are right with God forever because God has sent the Messiah into the world and we have put our trust in him. He has promised to forgive us and to save us. Now, in verse 11, we have an interesting word. Paul writes, For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you. Each one? You mean Paul gave personal attention to people? I think it means exactly that. This must have included a house-to-house -house ministry. If Paul had a telephone, which he didn't, of course... He would have been answering the phone continually with people who had questions, who needed help. But in those days, they must have come to Paul's house. Or Paul went to their house. He had a personal ministry as well as a public ministry. And that ministry, he tells us, consisted of exhorting them and charging them. Now, the word exhort means to come alongside of someone, to help them, to comfort them. And perhaps he used this word because there was persecution toward those early believers. He also encouraged them, and he said he charged them to lead a life worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Here in verse 12 he talks about the life that's expected. Now, all the epistles warn against taking advantage and abusing the liberty which we have in Jesus Christ. The epistles plead for honorable living. Paul said here that he wanted them to lead a life worthy of God who calls you into what? Into his own kingdom and glory. Now, this is referring to the kingdom of God. We aren't told as Christians to go out and build the kingdom, as so many preachers often say. The Bible doesn't tell us to build the kingdom. Any kingdom that's going to come is a result of the work of God, not our work. We enter God's kingdom by faith. We preach the kingdom. Paul said he preached the kingdom, and that was equivalent 
to preaching the gospel of grace. Now, how do I know that? According to Acts chapter 20, 24 and 25, listen to it. If only I may accomplish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Now, that's what his business was, testifying to the gospel of the grace of God. And then he adds, And now, behold, I know that all you among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom will see my face no more. His preaching the grace of God was equal to his preaching the kingdom. That's what it's about. We enter God's kingdom when we believe the message of the gospel of grace. It saves us. Paul used the word kingdom in reference to that sphere of influence into which we enter when we hear God's word and believe in the Messiah which he sent. This differs from the kingdom which has been promised to Israel. That's the Jewish kingdom. God will bring that about on this earth someday. But that was not Paul's primary message. His was the gospel of grace. And when men believed it, they entered the family of God. And that family of God is the kingdom of God, which you read about in the Bible. For those listeners who are within driving distance of Baton Rouge, we want to take this opportunity to invite you to attend our Sunday morning Bible class. It meets at 9.15 each Sunday morning. If you have been blessed by this broadcast, won't you write to us? Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.